BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of Spurs Cast. Joining me this Wednesday evening is Project Spurs' own John Diaz. John, how are you doing, man? I'm I'm good, dude. Just trying to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, it's, how, how cold? You're in Houston, right? Yeah. How cold it, is it? It's been there? freezing and raining all day long, man. Yeah, I'm here in San Antonio. It's been like 44 has been the high today. It's just mid 30. I mean, lower 30s. So it's just yeah. I'm surprised it hasn't snowed again um, in either of our cities. So. <laughs> Seriously. It, it might happen. It's slated to uh, snow, on, I think, on New Year's Eve or something like that here. So, all right, dude. Um, so let's go ahead and get into this, John. Um, we're going to go ahead and um, discuss the Spurs' last four games uh, before Mike and I had last spoke on the last Spurs cast. We'll go into a discussion about Kawhi Leonard, how he's been progressing now that he's back in uniform playing again. Um, we'll look through a few Spurs Twitter questions that the listeners sent to us, and then we'll preview the Spurs' upcoming four games, and we'll call it a day. Uh, so for the first thing, John, let's go ahead and look at the Spurs' last four games. Um, they beat uh, last Thursday, last Wednesday, should I say? They beat the Portland Trailblazers in Portland by two points. Then the following night, they lost by eleven to the Utah Jazz. Both teams were kind of, you know, didn't have all their guys. Um, well, actually, the Spurs did, but they were kind of a lot of their guys were on minutes restrictions. Uh, the Jazz were missing some of their better players, and they still beat the Spurs. It was on a Thursday night in Utah. Uh, then on Saturday, the Spurs beat the Kings, Sacramento, by nine points. And then most recently on Tuesday night, the Spurs were had their first time a full healthy roster, and they beat the Brooklyn Nets by 12 points. Um, Mike and I, John, thought that the Spurs would drop a game. Uh, actually, we both thought they'd go 4-0, and so we were actually surprised they lost that game to Utah. Uh, just what was your overall takes from those four games? Uh, I, I love seeing Pau Gasol's dominance lately. Uh, you know, especially coming off the off season when a lot of people question the contract and his age and what production he has left in the tank. And then, you know, he puts up beastly numbers and then the, the triple double against the Kings. Uh, obviously, the Brooklyn game is is good to see a full healthy team and Kawhi returning a little bit more to his normal self. Um, outside of that, you know, just they're they're trudging along and now that we're past christmas you know and the team's actually healthy the season's going to finally start for them so as long as all signs keep pointing up they're not too far out of it especially with houston being hurt the division's still in reach so it, it seems so good so far pretty much what we expected yeah i think the the perfect word there was trudging that you just mentioned you know it's kind of <laughs> like 
I remember the the game after the uh, the Jazz game. I mean, I I broke one of my, my one of my um, my Twitter rules that I have for myself, which is don't respond to the people that you know go crazy over one loss <laughs> on a random night in December. And I broke that rule for myself, and so that you know I started getting into uh, kind of arguing back and forth with some of the some of the followers on Twitter, and you know they were just upset that that the Spurs lost a game without Donovan Mitchell, without Rudy Gobert, even though they had Kawhi. And then I remember at one point somebody was like, "They're zero and three now without Kawhi." I'm like, "Dude, like just wait. They're going to be fine when they get their legs under them." You know, it, it just doesn't as great as Kawhi is and, and as great as the, pl- the players are and all the continuity it takes time like you can just still see it um, they, they go really stagnant at times they miss defensive assignments it's a process um, you know last night Manu after the game against the Nets he mentioned how they're actually aiming toward um, the, the rodeo road trip to start finally hitting all gears where they really want to have their full squad ready healthy so right now even though it's just still late December it's going to be early January they, they're going to take their time you really can't take this team for what it is at this at this moment okay. just yet so um, I think you're right there, you know, just trudging along, and that's what you want to do. And like you mentioned, they're still within grasp of the, the, the one seed overall uh, with, with um, Golden State and Houston right there. You know, the Spurs sit third right now in the Western Conference. Yeah, and, and that Utah game, you know, Mike and I were were in Arlington covering uh, UIL State, and I remember getting back to to my room and just looking at, the like, the, I think I tuned into the last two minutes of that Spurs game, and my stream cut out, and I was like, whatever, I'll just check the box score at the end of the night. And seeing they lost, and I'm like, good Lord, they really lost to Utah without Donovan Mitchell. And then I look and see Bryn Forbes played 24 minutes and was the leading scorer of that game. So it's like, all right, you know what, never mind. Like, you can you can allow them to drop one every once in a while, especially on the back end of a back-to-back on the road. Yeah, and, and that's kind of something Pop's – I mean, not Pop, but the players have mentioned, which is that there's no continuity right now with all these minutes restrictions. You know, Kawhi can't play – can only play three quarters or, two or a half, and then Tony Parker's on a minutes restriction, and then Danny Green has a groin injury, so you can't even – they won't even play him. So so they're just being very um, cautious right now. You know, you can do that when you're third in the West and, and you have um, – you know, there's, it's only December. Uh, and so you're, you're seeing now that, especially against that game against uh, Brooklyn recently, that they're finally getting their guys back. It's still going to take time. You know, some of the guys are still on minutes restrictions uh, for their upcoming game um, um, on Thursday against the Knicks. Kawhi's actually listed as probable again, and they're calling it, the, again, return from injury management. They've had this scenario now where they want him on two days of rest, so we'll see if the, he actually plays on Thursday. And if not, he'll have to sit out. And again, that's just one more day of, of um, kind of having to wait for the learning curve to, to kick in for the Spurs. Okay. John, let's go to our first topic, which is a Kawhi Leonard. Um, let's just discuss his last two games since the last time um, we, we recorded the Spurs cast. Uh, against Utah, he played 20 minutes. Uh, he scored 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block. Against Brooklyn, he played his most minutes of the season. He scored, uh, He played 26 minutes this time. He even played in the fourth quarter for the first time. Uh, he had a season-high 21 points, and he was the leading scorer for the Spurs. Uh, he grabbed two rebounds and two assists um, for the season. You know, he's only played 19 minutes a game in five games, 12.6 points, 4.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists. Um, something interesting, John, is that in the last eight games for the Spurs with five of them having Kawhi, the usage percentage of Kawhi is 29.3% in Aldridge just 29.2%. Now you saw LA have 20 points while Kawhi had 21 points. You know, on Twitter, I call that a hashtag Clamarcus type of game when the two of them yeah. are almost like transformers, they kind of just combine to become this ultimate being when, they, when they're that dominant, basically they're giving you 40 points to two of those guys on, against one defense. That's very tough to guard. And you saw that for the nets. Um, so just John, what, what do you think about Kawhi's last two games? And then again, the balance that he and LaMarcus are kind of finding, even though it's a very small sample size. You know, I think it's proving that they can actually play together, which shouldn't be a surprise, especially with the regular season success, you know, the last two seasons. Uh, That seemed kind of like an overblown storyline. In regards to Kawhi himself, you know, I kind of worry about his shooting percentages early on, but 
he's not playing anything consistent. He's just coming back from injury. It, it's hard to get into a rhythm where he can kind of threaten that 40, 50, 90 club kind of stuff. Uh, and I'd like to see the rebounding numbers go up too. But, you know, in, in time, that'll all come along. And it, it's good to see that in the five games with Kawhi, LaMarcus hasn't really – LaMarcus has kind of like just kept his production up and he's kind of shrugged off his return. Like he can still play his game. And having Powell be, you know, a, a main distributor, especially when those two are on the court together, Powell's passing is deadly. To, and it's crucial to those two to have their production be, you know, have that Clamarcus type of production going on. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned his shooting percentage, how it's dropped off just a bit. It's actually at 49% from the floor and 35 from three. So, I mean, even on a bad day, Kawhi's still, like, basically right there. Um, you know, he's just league to, average. You know, yeah, big deal. Just, <laughs> I know, right? That's For Kawhi, that, like, for us, we see that as, like, a blip. But for him, that's just, like, like just an ordinary NBA player. Uh, one quote from Pop last night against the Nets was, uh, he said this about Kawhi. Every game we see a little more rust go off, a little, um, a little bit of hesitation goes away. You know, we're trying to fit his game and the team game and get him feeling comfortable with the ball. Just, you know, getting knocked down a little bit, that sort of thing. So every game is, is a little bit better. So so basically, that just means that, you know, they want Kawhi to get to the free throw line. They want him to get, you know, get, get bounced around a little bit, get get into different types of um, physical contact with, with defenders on, on either end of the floor. And, you know, they just want him to, to, to get his legs under him to where he's going to feel comfortable and become that Kawhi Leonard, like you mentioned, that we're all used to seeing with the high rebound numbers, some higher assist numbers, you know, higher shooting percentage. So it's going to take time again. It's only five games he's played in. He may not play Thursday against the Knicks. And so fans, if you're listening, don't get all upset, you know, that they're trying to give him two days of rest sometimes. So it's just a, a thing that they're going through. And it's more of a patience thing, um, like we mentioned. The Rodeo Rocha Manu mentioned is where they're trying to target to have their full team ready to go and start hitting their stride for the season. Okay, Spurs Cast listeners, John and I are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Thank you for tuning in to SpursCast, episode 476. My name is Paul Garcia. You're, you're tuned in with Paul Garcia and John Diaz of ProjectSpurs.com. Now, SpursCast listeners, we asked you all to go on Twitter and use the hashtag SpursCast to send us some questions, and so you all did. Thank you for that. We're going to get, go, we are going to go ahead and read them. Uh, I will read your, hash, your, your handle and then your question, and John will answer first, and I'll go from here. Okay, John, our first question comes from at Giant Steps. They say, looking forward, the Spurs seem to have more quality guards than they have minutes to go around. You could make the case for bringing each one back. But if we had to part ways with one, who would you pick and why? P.S. There's only one wrong answer, and it's Ginobili. So I, <laughs> I guess they're just asking about – so I'll just give you, John, a quick um, scenario of what the, what the Spurs' guards are looking like going into the offseason. Uh, Tony Parker 
has a is going to be an unrestricted free agent, but he does have a twenty three point one million dollar cap hold, so the Spurs could resign him if they choose to. Uh, Danny Green has a ten million dollar player option. Manu Ginobili is guaranteed two point five million, but again, he he's kind of in that Tim Duncan situation where Timmy had um, guaranteed money to play that last year, but he also has that since he's so old, he has that choice of retiring. Uh, Bryn Forbes is going to be a restricted free agent at $1.7 million qualifying offer if the Spurs do that deal. And then Brandon Paul has a non-guaranteed deal for $1.4 million. So, John, out of those those names that I just read you, who do you think is probably not coming back according to this? You know, facing I, I, this? I think your, your end-of-the-bench guys with the lower-end contracts are probably gone. You know, I think Bryn Forbes has made his niche as a quality shooter. So if he gets kind of priced out of San Antonio's price range like Gary Neal did, then, you know, it wouldn't shock me. Brandon Paul, eh, if he if he logged more minutes and put up a little bit more production where we could see what kind of player he actually is, he'd probably be gone too. And it's kind of like the same thing like Jonathan Simmons. Like he, these guys show enough of a flash and some team's going to overpay for him. Um, I, I don't want to say Manu because, you know, I, I was kind of in the camp of hoping Manu would retire to free up that cap space. And especially the last week or two, he seems like a man possessed, you know, especially at his age and, that kind of production is like, my God, I don't want him to go anywhere anymore. <laughs> um, and, and so I want to add this to the conversation. I, I want to read off a stat line, uh, someone's stats per game. In six games, he's averaging 11.6 points, uh, 3.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists, shooting 38% from the field and 29% from three. And that is Derek White in Austin. And... I don't know what it is. It seems like the game is too fast for him, especially at the G League level. I know the talent's a lot better in the G League than it has been in years past. But, man, like, seeing the difference between him and Jordan Bell, like, it's just kind of staggering. Like, it, it seems like Derek White isn't, in terms of development, where we expected him to be, especially being an older player who spent four years in college. So even if that, there's no way he's going to be gone anytime soon because he's a guaranteed contract for a first-round pick, but even him, I would see him gone too. If, if he was movable. Yeah. Well, with him, like, you know, you're right about the whole Jordan Bell thing. I mean, Jordan Bell's a guy starting on Christmas day for the Warriors here um, against the, the Cavs and playing really good basketball uh, with Derek White. From what I've seen from him um, on, on with the, with the Spurs at the NBA level, he's only, he's, he's a hit or miss kind of guy where when he gets some minutes, he can do some productive things, but you're right. He's really inconsistent. Um, it's definitely going to, it should help him long-term to get that maturation uh, with Austin, with the Austin Spurs. And as we just saw on Wednesday, they, they sent him back to the Austin Spurs. Um, since he's on a guaranteed deal and he's not, not, not young, young, but he's young. Um, you know, they're, they're still going to probably, I think he would be one of those guys who stays long-term just to have a backup option at that point. And you can still try to develop him. Um, yeah. out of the, out of that list, I think that the guy that I think Forbes is probably the, the, the player that probably leaves just because he's a restricted free agent. So a team can offer him a lot of money to, to leave San Antonio. Should they even make him a, restrict, a restricted free agent? Or if he doesn't like that, he, that his minutes are going to kind of go down here now that the whole team's healthy and he wants a real role and he can and get some minutes somewhere else. Um, a la John, what Jonathan Simmons did, he may look himself to, to go sign somewhere else. If he's a unrestricted free agent, if the Spurs don't make him a restricted free agent uh, with Brandon Paul, I think that, since it's a non-guaranteed deal and it's so low the amount, unless they're targeting like a huge like free agent to, that they need to clear cap space, I think they'd rather bring Paul back because he'll have, he'll have a year under his belt in the system. Danny's like a question mark. You know, we have no idea what he's going to do. And then Manu yeah. and Tony, I think you think Tony, they're bringing him back, right? Long term. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like Tony's proved that you know he still has the game, and I, I don't see him going through like the Avery Johnson type of scenario where he just disappears and gets his role taken by someone younger than him. I know DeJounte is coming up and stuff, but Tony's still a really viable piece to this rotation. And as long as he's willing to, you know, help the team financially, which I don't see why he wouldn't, 
that he he's back pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. So so no. Yeah, I I agree with you exactly on Tony. I think either he he takes like. He'll keep the cap hold to maybe get a longer term deal, four or five years, but a lower amount. Or he, maybe he just doesn't do that, and he just takes like a, like a player, like a um, mid level option, uh, if they offer that. And then Manu, you know, we have no idea. Like you mentioned, Manu's playing insane basketball for a 40, 40 year old guy. He's already hit two game winners this year. Uh, just yesterday, Kawhi <laughs> missed the layup, and who's there to to uh, sl- slam it back in with the dunk? It's Manu Ginobili, forty years old, putting uh, and, and throwing himself backs. on the ground after loose balls and everything. Like it, it yeah, scares I mean, me. My heart just it, stops for a minute. <laughs> It makes me think like this dude almost retired. Like he was like he said, this is the closest summer he came to making that decision of calling it quits, and that's why it took him so long. It took to almost like mid July, if I remember, or early July, uh, and so that's why you know it's 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 astounding that he was thinking he was on the verge of retirement when he looked so good on the court. I mean, his numbers too for being forty years old at, with players at his position, some of his numbers are like at elite level um, still to this day at, with, amongst guards in the NBA. Um, okay, so so John and I answered that last question. Let's go ahead and get our, our next one. Okay, John, the next one comes from at Greco Suave. They ask, I've seen two media sources, one Spurs and one Bulls, mention interest in moving Miritich, Nikola Miritich, to San Antonio. The Bulls reportedly want Joffrey Laverne back as part of a deal. Do you have any scoopage on this? So there, there's there's some validity, validity to this, and then there's not some. So, John, let me tell you what's going on here. So I, I did some research because I wanted to see, you know, I hadn't heard this, but I wanted to look it up. So the source does come from uh, the Chicago Sun-Times, which is a reputable play, uh, paper, you know, um, a writer named Joe Cowley. Uh, he, he did write that Miritich is willing to waive his no-trade clause um, and wants to get traded to a playoff contender and that the Bulls would be seeking um, a mid-to-first-round pick for him. So that's actual factual, okay? That's stuff that, that the writer did write, a, a writer who, who has some, some validity to him. However, the second part about the Spurs being tied in here is not uh, – I couldn't find any, any validness on this part. So there was an article by a site called Spurs247. Um, you know, I, I had never heard of this. It's obviously not a Woj. It's not an ESPN. It's not a USA Today, anybody like that, that we would see as, as a valid source. And they put in their headline, uh, Miritich wants to be f- traded to the Spurs. And then I clicked on the link and it just went back to say nothing about San Antonio. They kind of just put that in the tweet so that people can, I guess, click on it, Spurs fans, and, and get that type of... Yeah. <laughs> so when you actually, it's weird how, yeah, it says... I was like, what? Why would you put this in the headline? There's not even actual factual. There's nothing about... There's, like, literally no words about the Spurs. There's no words about Laverne. And if you remember Laverne's history with the Bulls, they made him a restricted free agent. Then they rescinded that qualifying offer. So basically, they let him walk in free agency. And so he ended up signing with San Antonio. So the Bulls obviously show they have no... They didn't They didn't have any more interest in him. If not, they could have brought him back at a, at a lesser price with, with on their books. Um now Miritich does have 12.5 million this season, and then uh, he has a te- there's a team option for him 12.5 million next season. Uh, now, John, let's just say the Spurs did want to do this deal. I, I don't think they do. Uh, they would probably have to move somebody like Patty Mills or Danny Green in, in that scenario just to get Miritich. Would you do you think they do that? <laughs> God no. Uh, you know, I I would do it if if someone else's contract was about around 10 million, but not Patty or Danny. Uh, and I feel like Chicago's reason to trade him is more tanking motivated than anything because they're what eight and two with Miritich in the lineup. Yes, and correct. they're they're on track right now to I think grab the sixth or seventh seed, which was projected to be Mohamed Bamba, who I would much rather have on a rookie contract than than Miritich. So, yeah, I don't I don't see it happening. Definitely not to San Antonio, and definitely not for a Patty or Danny type of player. 
I agree with you totally as well. And plus, like you know, you, even if he came here, one you lose a, a good guard for the Spurs, they, they'd be they'd be lacking in that department. But then also, there's too many bigs already. Like Pop can't even find minutes for Davis Bertans for Kyle Anderson now that everybody's healthy. And throwing Miritich in there would just clog up the the lineup even more with the bigs, especially for for that price as well. So I don't think that would happen. And again, for those of you that do look at, at, at rumors and trades, always actually click on the article, read the full thing, make sure that it's not just reading a, a headline from Twitter or Facebook or something like that, because that's how that's how they get you to click on the links. Uh, is and also, also on top of that, it's like if you let's say Patty, you know, a lot of people have been kind of down on Patty because he's been having a little bit of a subpar season. You, if you trade Patty, you're basically saying you're ready to trust Dejounte Murray with the bigger role, and I don't think that's even remotely the case. Oh yeah, no, for sure, yeah, because you're going to see it by the way Pop has still has that that core lineup of him and of Parker and Patty as their as his one two, and he kind of gets Murray some minutes more recently, but it's not anything that's consistent. Our next question, John, comes from at Giant Steps. They ask, what do you think the market is for Rudy this summer, Rudy Gay? I think he's been great and will play even better with time. Assuming he opts out, wouldn't it be in the best interest for San Antonio to do a long-term deal? So just a quick rundown of Rudy Gay, uh, his situation. Um, he scored 11.6 points off the bench, 48% shooting, 5.1 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.6 turnovers, and he's playing only 22.8 minutes per game, so less than 23 minutes a game. Um he has a player option this coming summer for $8.8 million with San Antonio. So he can either um, accept that and play another year with the Spurs or decline it, become a free agent, and either um, re-sign with San Antonio in a longer-term deal, a longer term deal like what, kind of like what Pau Gasol did this past summer, or he can obviously uh, leave. Uh, what do you think about that when John hits his market value? I, I think his market value is maybe a little bit higher now that he's proven to be fully healthy. I think he would, just because of his age, he'll be 32 once the season starts next year. And with his injury history, you know, it's, it's, it, he's proven it's possible to come back from the Achilles, but you don't know how, how stable he is once he gets a full season under him and stuff. And we'll see more about that. I think he's in that Andre Iguodala range, maybe three years, about 40 mil, 45 with the rising cap. I think he's pretty much there right now. And if, if everything he says is true, if he loves San Antonio, I don't see why the Spurs wouldn't offer him that or why he wouldn't take that from San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you too, where I think that, it comes down to a few things, you know, how does he feel? Does he, does he like being, um, you know, does he like the role of having to be coming off the bench, kind of be their six man kind of guy. Uh, and he likes that he's, he's healthy now, you know, th- th- there's not a huge burden on him. Like just like against the, uh, the nets the other day, he had like less than, than four points at one point. And, you know, you, you, you on a normal team, Rudy, of, of, on a Rudy Gay team, if he had four points, that team's probably getting blown out. But the Spurs are up by like 15 in this game because, you know, he's, they have so many other options that they can go to. They will need him down the stretch against some of the really good teams. So I think that, from his perspective, he's on a winning team. He's, he's probably, they're on pace to win 56 games. He's probably never done that in his career. Uh, they're probably going to go pretty deep into the playoffs here. Um, you know, nobody knows how, you know, how far they go. And who has money anyway this coming offseason? The, all the contenders don't. They're, a lot of them are going to be um, jam-packed with their money. The only teams that have it are teams like the Bulls, uh, maybe like the Pacers. There's just not, there's just not all the young teams that don't, that don't have a lot of them. You know, the, the core players that are competing for championships right now, they're the only teams that I can see him getting maybe – 12 to 15 million if he really wanted another contract but then why does he want that money that's why he left sacramento because he wasn't happy they were never competing for anything and he'd be right back in that scenario so from where i see it i think he stays another year in san antonio should everything you know go go well for the rest of these months in the playoffs or if he really likes him the spurs really like him like how they did with pal maybe he does opt out and uh, he signs a longer term deal like a three-year deal or something like that so that's where i think uh, rudy's going our next question comes from um, at Giant Steps again. They ask, the Spurs have always had trouble matching up with Chris Paul. What what would be the ideal lineup to neutralize he and Harden? What do you think about that, John? 
<laughs> it's kind of a loaded question, but I feel like the, the strategy with, with Houston would be you you let one of those guys get theirs. And Harden's the more prolific offensive player, obviously, even though Chris Paul is the cog of that m- entire machine. Um, I, I think you can put Danny on Harden and just kind of hope that, hey, let Chris Paul – Chris Paul can only carry the team so far as long as he's not locked up on someone. So you can let Tony guard him for a little bit and intermittently kind of guard him with Kawhi to hold off on, you know, how he produces offensively with, you know, passing and kind of wear him down defensively with Tony just slashing back and back and forth on him. But trying to defend Houston's, I mean, difficult enough, even though, you know, when the Spurs played the Rockets a few weeks ago or a few days ago, I forget how long it's been already. Yeah. Um, they kept up with him that entire second, third, and fourth quarter. It's just Houston comes out and they hit you right in the mouth early on, and it's one of those things you can't let them get too far ahead of you because it's going to be impossible to climb back into the game. Yeah, and something that comes to my memory when it comes to Chris Paul uh, is that 2015 series when the Spurs lost to the Clippers um, in, in seven games. It was an epic series. And it kind of has to do not with, not necessarily with Paul, but I think so more so for the big guys he's playing with. Who were the four and five? Cause I remember that year, it was a Blake and DeAndre and Tim Duncan, and, and I think it was Tiago Splitter. They just could not keep up with those guys off screens. Even Matt Bonner got some minutes in that series. And they and whenever Chris came off those double screens, uh, they had they didn't, the Spurs didn't have the help defenders to, to kind of guard them. Kawhi would get switched, and same thing for Danny Green. So I think so, the, the more important question is not, not who guards uh, – Paul and Harden, because I think we know Kawhi and Danny Green will get those two guys on assignments. It's going to be which other Spurs are around them to make those switches. Is it going to be? I think you got to definitely have Rudy Gay on the floor. You got to have Aldridge, and I think these are these these other three guys have to be the crucial members. Either one of Manu, Murray, or Brandon Paul. And again, Paul and I mean Murray and and Paul are so young that you don't know if you can trust them in an actual playoff series, you know, in crunch time minutes, but Mono, you kind of can, and he has a little bit more. Um, he, he he's not as much of a liability like Parker and, and Patty Mills. Um, you know, having to guard whenever they do those kind of switches. So I think that that'll come down to those last six minutes of a ball game in a playoff series of the Spurs having uh, multiple guys who can switch. Maybe even Kyle Anderson gets some minutes out there. Just long guys who can kind of try to keep yeah. Harden and uh, Paul in front of them and kind of just contest. Because if you have big guys like traditional bigs like Powell or Laverne or somebody, they're going to get switched. And then Chris Paul's going to go to work wherever he wants uh, on the court like he did back in 2015. So I think that's more so a matchup question that we'll see uh, down the road in the playoffs if those two teams do meet. Yeah, and you and you definitely need a big that can neutralize Clint Capella to stay off the glass too. You know, Ryan Anderson's slow enough where you can have someone like Kyle Anderson and his length disrupt him, but Clint Capella is a whole different story when it comes to rebounding and just scoring right inside the paint. Yep, and being one of those options for Paul and um, Harding with the alley oop there—that's that's tough for the yeah. guard. <laughs> I mean, th- th- that's why they're they're basically one of the best offensive teams in the league just by you know the, the kind of lineups they throw out there. Uh, we have another question. It's kind of similar. It was more from uh, it was from an email user. They sent me, they asked me a. Uh, why doesn't anyone talk about how Tony and Patty can't ever fight over a screen? One five pick and roll killed uh, us, which is the Spurs against Houston and Will against Golden State. Uh, what, what's your response there? Is it kind of a similar thing? I, man, like, I, I don't know what you want them to do. They're not, you know, known for their defensive proudness or anything. <laughs> like, I, you know, if they don't want to fight over a screen, whatever the reason is, maybe it's because of the way Pop has the scheme set up. You probably know more about that than I do. That's just something like, you're you're really just splitting hairs there if that's your one critique over Patty and Parker going, you know, playing point guard for the Spurs. Yeah, no, no. It, it, it comes down to scheme, but also, you know, you have to live with those. They're, like you mentioned, they're not known as great defenders, you know, elite defenders. Uh, Parker's never been in the running for one of the, the, the all-defensive teams, neither is Patty. 
But what you have to do is in a playoff game, it's a 48-minute game. You're going to have to keep those guys on there with their deficiencies on the floor for about, you know, 30, 30 minutes. But then it's those, it's those last six to eight minutes of crunch time. Then you don't want Parker and Patty on the floor uh, or you don't want them guarding those guys and fighting over screens because that's when you want your elite defenders to switch. Guys like Kawhi, like Danny Green, like Rudy Gay, um, you know, maybe maybe LaMarcus or Kyle Anderson. You want those kind of guys on the floor uh, to, to make sure that they can switch. And, and again, like you're right. It comes down to what type of defensive scheme. Do they want the big dropping back? Do they want the big to hard hedge? There's a lot of different uh, variations that go into uh, how the Spurs uh, guard pick and rolls, and it, and it kind of depends on who the ball handler is and who the role guy is. So so that kind of is, an, an, again, another matchup question that you'll see in the playoffs should that time come. Um, our last question comes from – oh, no, actually, we have two more, sorry. Uh, the next question comes from at the Lizard King. They ask, how is Murray's jumper developing so far? So let me read you some stats real quick, John, on DeJounte Murray. Uh, this season he's, uh, he's shooting 42% from the floor. From three, he's only shooting 10%, which is below league average. Um, from – let's see here. Oh, sorry, that's not – yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, from, from mid-range, he's, uh, he's, sh- he's shooting uh, 33%, which is 6.8% below league average. Um, from from the non-restricted area, he's shooting 35.9%, which is uh, below f- 5% below league average. And from the restricted area in the paint at the rim, he's shooting 52%, which is 7.9% below league average. Let me go back real quick on one of those stats. From three, he's only made three of... Uh, let's see here of 12 threes. That's what, that's what the actual number is. Uh, so he's 10.2% below league average and only 4% of his shots have, have even been threes, which ranks in the zero percentile for all point guards. Um, one drastic improvement you've seen, John, is that in December, just this one month, he's shooting 11 to 25, 44% from mid range, which is plus 3.9% above league average. So more recently his jumper has gotten better. What do you think about Murray's jumper, John? I think, you know, it's, it's just something that comes with time and, Obviously, his jumpers improved because he's put in the work, but he's not getting the minutes and seeing the results yet in game. At least you see that he's more comfortable taking mid-range shots, and even though the three-pointer is ten percent from on the season, it's just one of those things that, as long as he's feeling more comfortable and can eventually establish himself as a somewhat reliable threat from certain spots on the floor, it helps schematically going against other teams. Because if someone's got to go jump out and guard Murray from you know. 18 feet out that probably frees up LaMarcus inside or Powell inside or if he's going to be in the corner and can knock down a corner three consistently that also pulls the defender away from the interior so you know the numbers they you know they're not great but they're definitely he's improving in confidence wise and the shots will eventually fall it's a lot better of a progression than what we've seen from last season and unfortunately we haven't seen him in enough minutes or even in time in Austin to see if there's actual improvement behind that besides just confidence. Yeah. And that's one of the words that I wrote when I went back and watched some tape on him. Um, and just, just to give you the actual percentage, he's shooting 25% from three. That was a mistake on my part. He's so 25% is 10.2% below league average. That's what the actual status. Okay. So one thing that I've seen is, is that key word right there, confidence. You know, when you go back and watch his shots, he likes he likes shooting those jumpers that are kind of off the dribble off a screen uh, you know from the mid range area. He looks more confident in those in taking those jumpers. Whereas a spot up shot, he's going to pass it up or he's going to hesitate or he's going to try and kind of drive into the lane and try to open something else up. And then one thing you also see on the tape is that he he will make several jumpers against the same team, and that means that again going back to confidence, where he maybe made one shot against one team and so he keeps doing it in that same game because then you know the next the, the film switches to the next game and he maybe misses a shot and then he goes to the next game and he misses a shot so it more so happens to how does he feel on that night is he getting more minutes that that game 
uh, you know, and, and once he sees that the big guys are, are kind of dropping on that screen and he's already made a shot, he's going to take the jumper. He's more confident in it. And I'm pretty sure that the team has, t- has talked to him about that. You know, if, especially if you're wide open, you got to take the shot because they're not, they're not honoring you um, for, for that jumper. So, so you, need, you need to open up the lane by, by taking that jumper. So again, it comes with development. It's going to be, t- it's going to take time. You know, he's, he, he, I don't know if he'll ever get to, to a, you know, a level where he's shooting above league average from mid range, but it's just a slow process, and until he gets the minutes and, and, and that confidence built on, on a more consistent basis, you'll finally see um, if, if he does get that, that jumper going after all. Okay, John, the, the biggest last... things. Oh, Go ahead. sorry. I, I think the biggest thing so far, too, is also his confidence in driving to the rim, though, because even though the numbers aren't great, I think he's only shooting 50-something percent, you know, at the rim. There's still, you know, he's finding his way through the lane and actually getting to the basket at a lot better of a rate and kind of learning to control himself a little bit more. Because even in Austin, he would throw a lot of, like, Tony Parker-esque lobs into the air from, you know, 10, 15 feet out. And you don't want to see that someone just give up when they're trying to attack the rim and then throw up a wild one-handed shot from, you know, kind of like the free throw line. So as long as he keeps attacking the basket, that's the main thing you want him to do when he's on the floor, if he ever sees the floor in those playoff-type minutes. Yeah, and he's gone more recently. What I've seen is he's gone less and less to that that floater type of shot that you're mentioning. He's going more so of like the underhand layup, actually trying to get it off the glass there. And he's made some of them more recently. Uh, John, the last question um, from the Spurs cast tw- Twitter questions comes from at Bruno Passos, uh, one of the writers of Prime of the Rock. This is more of a joking question. He says, uh, Milos Teodosic for Kawhi Leonard straight up. Does Paul say no? Go ahead and answer that. <laughs> uh you, it, can we trade hurt Kawhi? Because then Paul would say yes. Even <laughs> and if and if Kawhi doesn't pick it up, Paul still says yes. Yeah, uh, this is Bruno just being you know <laughs> joking here because uh, the other day when the Clippers came, well, first of all, I've always talk, I always talk about Milos like his passes will come on every now and then on Twitter. So Bruno and I kind of um, look at them on, on Twitter and we, we joke about them. But then when he was here, you know, every single pass, I was like overemphasizing it. Oh my gosh, you see that that bounce pass he did? He just made. Oh oh wow, <laughs> did you see how he just threw that full court turnover? Like it was a crazy pass, but he still threw it. And I get so excited when Milos passes, and so Bruno's kind of just just joking there. Of course not. The Spurs would not trade a Kawhi for. Uh, Breaking news is Paul has already traded the rights to his firstborn child for Milos. I'm breaking breaking that here on pod, whatever number this is. 476. All right, 476. There we go. Mark it down. (laughs) Okay, SpursCast listeners, thank you again for sending those those questions to hashtag SpursCast. We really appreciate them. Um, Good discussion. John got got to get into there with me on, on those on those topics um uh, last thing we're going to do for the spurs cast is a uh, preview of the spurs upcoming four games before i record spurs cast episode 477 so john their first game uh, up next is uh hosting the new york knicks who are uh this thursday the knicks are 17 and 16 on the year ninth in the eastern conference uh in their last 10 games they're six and four they're winning by two points per game during that stretch uh, in the last 10 games, they are scoring 105.6 points per 100 possessions, which is 16th. They're holding teams to 104, 104 points per 100 possessions, which is 10th in the league. Uh, leading scorers recently are Kristaps Porzingis, 21.6 points, and his Cantor, 14.5 points. Michael, super cool, Beasley, 15.3 points, and Courtney <laughs> Lee, 14.9 points. Uh, again, those stats are all of the last 10 games. So, John, who do you have in this game Thursday between the Spurs and Knicks? The Knicks are a terrible road team, so I'll take the Spurs in that one. As long as Michael Beasley doesn't go off for another 30 or 40 points, uh, that one should be easily decided by the Spurs, especially if Kawhi's healthy. If not, then it'll be a little bit more of a contest. But the Knicks, I think, won two games on the year on the road. Eh. <laughs> That's not, yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, John, where I have the Spurs as well in this one. 
you know, I, I just think that even whether Kawhi's there, even when Kawhi's not there, they still have a complete team because they know that Aldridge is their go-to guy, and they kind of it kind of reminds you of that game against Sacramento when Powell had the triple double where, where they kind of know who who needs to step up, where their roles are, even if Kawhi's absent. So we'll see. Uh, I think they should be able to get the win there against the Knicks as well. Uh, then on Saturday, John, the Spurs travel to Detroit for a three-game road trip. Uh, the, the Pistons are 19 and 14 on the year. They're fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're five and five on the year. I mean, in their last 10 games, and they're losing by uh, three three points uh, per game. I mean, um, 0.3 points per game, should I say? Um, these, all these stats are in the last 10 games. Again, uh, they're scoring 103 points per per 100 possessions, which is 20th. Uh, holding teams to 104.8 points per 100 possessions, which is 11th. Uh, leading scorers during this this time are. Tobias Harris, 15.9 points. Andre Drummond, 14.3 points. And Reggie Bullock, 10.3 points. Uh, Reggie Jackson, they just announced on Wednesday, is going to be out about six to eight weeks before he gets reevaluated for an ankle injury. And then um, right now, Avery Bradley is listing it out as out with a groin injury. So who do you have Saturday in Detroit? Yeah, I've, I've got the Spurs winning that one. You know, Ish Smith being the starting point guard. I mean, that Reggie Jackson injury really hurts them, but... You know, Tobias has been really good of late, and if Avery Bradley's not on the floor, you, I, I don't see how Detroit has the firepower to pull it off. I don't think, you know, Luke Kennard or or Stanley Johnson's going to be making up for that offensive production, so I'll take the Spurs there. Okay, I'm taking the Spurs too, just because, you know, you saw when, when Kawhi was, was, wasn't even here and the Spurs weren't even fully healthy, they were still able to beat a really good, um, healthy Pistons team at this time in San Antonio, and they did it again. Um uh, I mean, I think they're going to do it again this coming weekend. Uh, the next game, John, is uh, is next Tuesday. They, they, they play the Knicks again. So I've already read you all the Knicks stats. Who do you have in this one um, in Madison Square Garden next Tuesday between the Spurs and Knicks? Now, let me just remember, read you one stat. In the last five years, the Spurs are 2-3 and three in the Garden. Yeah, I, I feel like the Knicks game, like playing in Madison Square Garden is kind of like a house of horrors thing. But, I, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, this may just be a really bad narrative, but I feel like those games are afternoon games in New York. And... It, it, one of those things about Sunday afternoon in New York, it's almost always impossible to win unless your name is LeBron or Steph Curry or something. Uh, New York is a decent team at home. But that being said, that's a, I think that's a game before the back-to-back. Aren't they playing the next night in Philadelphia? Yes, they are. Yeah, so depending on what kind of team they pull out there, uh, I will actually take the Knicks there. I'll take the Knicks to beat the Spurs. Okay. Yeah, I did. The, I'm not trying to copy you, but I did the same thing. I have this all written out beforehand. <laughs> so just this happened last time, right? Was it you that I that we kind of? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I actually have this one again, just because I feel like this is a game where Michael Beasley goes for like 28, 33 points in it. Uh, they, they can't stop Porzingis. There's just there's just and somebody else on the Knicks roster just goes off. Maybe it's uh, Doug McDermott or someone. And again, the Spurs just have a history where they haven't been playing very well in the guard in these last few years. And so I, I'd give that to, um, to I'm going to give that game to the Knicks. Where I think something wonky is going to happen there. Um, then you're right. The next night, the Spurs go to Philly for the first time. Uh, they play the, the Sixers. Uh, Philly's kind of taking a step back here. They were doing really well to start the year, but now they're 15 and 18 overall, 10th in the East. Uh, they're two and eight in their last 10 games, and they're losing by three and a half points per points per game, should I say? In their last 10 games, they're scoring 101.7 points per 100 possessions, which is 25th. Uh, they're holding teams to 103.6 points per 100 possessions. Uh, in those last 10 games, Joel Embiid's only played in five of them, 26.8 points per game. Uh, J.J. Redick, 18.9 points. Dario Sarge, 15.9 points. Ben Simmons, 14.2 points. And Robert Covington, uh, 13.6 points. Who do you think wins that one, John, for the, between the Spurs and Sixers? Unless Pop sits the entire starting lineup, including LaMarcus and even some bench guys, I think the Spurs can pull it out because I'm, just the way Philadelphia's been struggling lately, 
and not only that, but I think Markel Fultz is kind of like on the verge of returning. So maybe they'll try to squeeze him in and get some minutes and it might mess up the rotation a little bit. But Philadelphia has kind of fallen off after all the hype around them this season. And especially, I think, I don't remember if I had the over-under. I have to go back in my notes to see who was right about that one. But yeah, I, I think that unless the Spurs sit everyone on that on the back end of the back-to-back, that they'll take that one. Okay, I, I agree with you too. I just think, you know... I think Pop will set some players that night because it is the second out of back-to-back. I think for sure Parker and Kawhi are out for that one. But, uh, you know, Philly's really struggling here. And, you know, one of the stats early in the season was that, like, basically when Joel Embiid plays, they just don't lose. But now that that hasn't quite uh, uh, lived up to par where they're now 14 and 11 with Embiid. And they've lost to some bad teams with Embiid, like the the Lakers, the the Kings. So so if if those kind of teams can beat beat the Sixers on certain nights, I think the Spurs have a good chance even on the second night of a back-to-back. They're more of a complete team even, again, when when Kawhi's not there, they know their rotations and where to go. Okay, thank you. uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, and they let DeMar DeRozan tee off on them a few nights ago for 40-something points, and they let Zach Randolph tee off on them. They're they're pretty bad defensively. So, you know, it's one of those things. Even Bryn Forbes could probably score 20 on them that night. Who knows? I think, uh, wasn't it Boban a few years ago? He had a monster game against them. Obviously, I'm yeah. playing, but yeah, Boban <laughs> went crazy on them a few years ago when he was at the Spurs. Okay, thank you, Spurs Cast listeners, for listening to this episode 476. If you're on Twitter, please follow John at by John Diaz. So follow him on Twitter. That's actually one of the coolest um, – Twitter handles out there on, on, today. I just wish I had it because it's so cool. You can just put at like whenever you write a piece, you just put at by John Diaz. Exactly. <laughs> um, again, please send your questions for next week's episode to hashtag SpursCast. If you're on Twitter, follow us on at Project Spurs at AT League underscore NBA at the SpursCast and at Project Spurs Network. Um, visit ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And then uh, John, go ahead and promote um, Austin um, Austin Spurs site. Yeah, we've got uh, Spurs on six at Spurs on six spelled out S I X T H. Uh, got two games coming up to close up the season, and we added someone to our staff, uh, Project Spurs' own Keith Kelly, who's been doing behind the box score stuff for Austin, which has been really helpful in terms of coverage and also giving me a little bit of a break. Um, but yeah, just keep up with us, and you know, Austin's two games out of the division lead and still in the hunt for a playoff spot. So once the season gets underway, especially if Derek White keeps going up there. We'll have a lot more on that, and I think we're planning – I'm planning – I don't know if Michael's coming, but we're planning a February trip to Frisco to cover the back-to-back against the Texas Legends, the Dallas Mavericks affiliate. So hopefully we'll get a lot more features and interviews coming out of that so we can catch up with Jerron Blossom game, Matt Casello, Darren Hilliard, among others. So stay on the lookout for that. All right, thank, uh, yeah, definitely. So, Spurs guys, make sure you, you follow the, all the content that John just provided. I mean, um, all the all the sites and links, and then also again, Keith, Keith Kelly was one of our new writers. He's writing for Project Spurs and um, and, and the Austin Spurs site, and uh, he, he's he's using those beyond the box scores. So, those are pretty good informative um, pieces that he's putting up. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. So, for Spurs Cast episode 476, I am Paul Garcia, and joined by John Diaz. Have a great day.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.